Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another Only Great Stuff video. Here at Only Great Stuff, we're dedicated to, surprisingly, we're surprisingly dedicated to bringing you Only Great Stuff. And uh, very excited about today's video. Today, I'll be introducing you to a gentleman named Ben Claybrook, who is an expert on all aspects regarding solar, particularly helping you determine whether solar would be appropriate for you, for your home, for your business, for your family, for your friends. And one of the things I love about Ben is he, like those of us here at Only Great Stuff, we're totally committed to synergy and to win-win-win solutions. And so one of his promises is that if he can't help you or your business get into solar with no money down and saving money from day one, uh, the deal will be a no-go. So I don't know how to make it safer than that for you. But uh, without further ado, let me turn it over to Ben and let him introduce himself, and then we'll get into some questions. So Ben, welcome to Only Great Stuff, and take it away for a while. Thank you. Great to be here. My name is Ben Claybrook. I actually grew up in a family of nine kids. <laughs> I was surprised to hear that. And so most of our fun stuff, most of our leisure activity was outdoors stuff, everything from week-long backpacking trips to to camping in the snow. We loved it. So that's kind of where I I grew my love for the environment, for the outdoors, that kind of stuff. And then, but I've always been fascinated with technology. So ever since seeing, I think it was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, that first one, that's when I, I heard about solar technology. <laughs> and uh, I remember seeing that, that solar van. It was a van driving that was powered by solar. And I was, ever since then, I fell in love with solar technology. So uh, in college, I studied computer science, but I went door to door in the summer to pay my tuition. And that kind of got me into the whole sales side of the world. And um, I did actually, it was like a home automation company I worked for for about seven years. And uh, after seven years, I got recruited to Solar City. So it kind of came full circle and uh, I got to work for Solar City for a couple of years. Um, but I found at Solar City, um, I was a big fan of Lyndon Rive. He's actually the, the cousin from, from Elon Musk. Uh, I got to talk with him a few times and his direction, his passion was, was very cool uh, to work with actually but but i found that when you just work for one company like that you can't help uh, people as much as you'd like to help people so there's a lot of people that would like to go solar and if you're only with one company you can only provide that one solution uh, because there's a lot of different solutions when it comes to solar uh, so i found uh, that's why i founded clean energy movement it's because now i have multiple uh, solar installers i work with both local and nationwide and so i i find myself i work 100 percent online so i i I'm myself kind of the matchmaker. So I, I bring people to the right solution and I take care of everything from uh, finding the right solution to actually taking care of all the, the paperwork and the entire project. And I'm even afterwards staying in touch just to make sure it, it is performing how they expected it would and how we set the expectations. So that's me. I love solar. I love what I do. So, Where do you live? I live in Irvine, California. Uh, but my wife is from Vienna, Austria, so we go out there for two months out of the year. That was the other reason I had the issue with Solar City is because I would leave for two months out of the year. <laughs> so I like what I do because it's 100% online. I find a lot of the people, most of my business is like word of mouth advertising too. So 
one of the reasons I see in the, uh, in the email when people refer me to someone, they'll say, you'll find, you know, it's super convenient. You don't have to meet them in person. <laughs> so it makes it easy. So uh, before we get into the uh, details about it, things, I want to address what I would call probably the big solar elephant in the room. And that is that a lot of people have a high level of distrust with regard to solar salespeople, the solar industry, um, from what I know, uh, just as a student of the industry, a lot of the contracts have some fine print and some gotchas that people, there's some horror stories people talk about. And, um, you know, the fact that that is the case for many people, that can affect the way people are listening to what you're saying. So before we get into details, I wanted to give you a chance to speak to that directly and those concerns and maybe point to uh, how the way you do business addresses all of those gotchas and puts people in a very, very safe position and a positive cash flow position from day one that only gets better with, with no surprises. Yeah. That's, I guess one of the big reasons I like to stay in touch after the install for up to two years, I always like to reach out to do like, I call it a bill review uh, because what a lot of people forget, or maybe they're misled to believe they'll no longer have a utility bill um, where in fact, one of the most beneficial parts of solar is that you're not disconnected from the utility. You want to stay connected, right? So because during the daytime, they call it net energy metering where you're actually selling power to the local utility and you'll generate these credits sort of like a little savings account and then you buy it back at night. So where I see a lot of the disconnect is well, two things. Number one, it's been politicized, which is unfortunate because it's such a cool product. Uh, but number two is just this part of the puzzle is not explained clearly enough, net metering. And so what will happen is, um, and at the end of the day, it's just numbers. And that's why I love following up because numbers don't lie. We can look at the data. I can lay it out and be like, this is what it's supposed to produce. And either it produced what we said it would or it produced more or produced less. And so you, most co most companies will do a uh, like a money-back production guarantee where you can get uh, a check back if it didn't produce. So that's why another reason I like to stay in touch. But so this concept of net energy metering means that if your system produced less than you used, then you'll still owe a certain amount to the utility. If it produced more than you used, then the utility owes you in the form of a credit. And that credit, usually people just let it roll over uh, to the next year. So that way you can use up that credit next year. So where there's a disconnect is, let's say um, you go solar, we design a system to produce X amount of electricity. And all of a sudden you start using the AC more or you get an electric car or you do something because you're like, well, now we're powered by the sun, so <laughs> we can do whatever we want, right? But the solar is still, it doesn't produce more just because you're using more. It still produces what we designed it to produce. And so all of a sudden when your usage goes up, uh, now you're, you've got that extra amount that has to come from somewhere. So that obviously is going to come from the utility company. And so that's, yeah, when I follow up, usually that's the main thing that comes up. They're like, well, I'm paying, uh, I'm paying the utility now when I, I thought it was just going to be 10 or $20, the connection fee. Um, and I'm, so when I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, here's what your usage was last year. And here's what it is this year. And it's about twice as much. So, so we have to figure out, you know, either uh, there's a disconnect in our communication or we can always make the system bigger if we need. Uh, maybe you want to use AC a lot more than you were before. Cause I find a lot of people are cutting back uh, with certain appliances just because 
the utilities, especially in states like California or New York, where the utilities are charging really high prices, then people will cut back a lot and they'll kind of relax once they got solar. So uh, long story short, I think the main disconnect is once people go solar, they, they might get the idea that now they can use as much as they want uh, when that system was actually produced to produce or designed to produce a certain amount of power. Does that kind of make sense? Or do they... <laughs> it does, but I think there are a lot of other concerns people have besides that. Like, for example, I've heard about solar contracts where people didn't realize that every year there was like a 3 or 4% increase in what they had to pay. Um, uh, okay, so I can address things, that real quick. Things like that. Um, also, uh the warranties, the guarantees, whether the companies that stand behind those warranties are solvent, going to be solvent for long periods of time. Uh, one, another question is if uh, people's needs increase and they are going to have more kids or they're going to have an electric vehicle or the weather changes, if the roof size is limited, uh, what do people do? Do you build a new structure in the backyard? What, what, how, do you, how do you increase solar capacity? Well, maybe solar cells are getting more efficient too. I don't know. But what do you do in a situation like that, especially like in a, a, an area where housing is very expensive and people tend to get smaller homes? Um, what do you do if the, if the roof space or maybe the, in the Northern Hemisphere, maybe the Southern exposure isn't what it might be? What can you do um, to um, to not create such a an energy uh, debt? Got it. Um, do you want to address that other question first, and then move on to this one? Take them in whatever order. But those were the those were the things that came to mind when you were talking. I kind of like um, I kind of like to just be spontaneous and throw the conversation back and forth. But if I'm putting too much on your plate at once, just shut me up. The first one is definitely very common. And so where it comes up is, I would say there's, there's four main ways to get solar. Um, Number one is a cash purchase, most straightforward, you know, solar costs this amount of money, I pay the money, I get the tax credit, when I do my taxes. And then the system is warranted usually for about 25 years. Uh, There's a production warranty direct from the manufacturer, as well as usually a workmanship warranty from the installer. Um, the one from the manufacturer is personally the one I put the most um, value on just because they're the ones that are most likely going to be around for the long haul. So I'm always looking at that one very closely. The workmanship warranty from the local installer, there's a lot of really big solar companies that all of a sudden aren't around anymore, right? So I, I, that's why I put more value in the manufacturer's warranty, almost as if I were doing it myself. I, if I were to install it myself, I would care more about that warranty because it's somebody I can contact throughout the entire time. And they're the ones that are actually being held to their performance guarantees. Um, but yeah, sorry to get back to the other thing. So there's four main ways to get solar. <laughs> I have a question about that. Yeah, please. Is there another level of insurance, like an insurance company that insures insurance companies or insurance companies that like, is there another backup in case something happens to that manufacturer or do you, are you just taking that risk as a consumer? There are two there. You can actually, um, so if you're financing the solar, there's usually an insurance plan you can get through the finance company like Dividend. They're one of the largest ones or Lone Pal. Uh, Dividend I know has an insurance policy you can purchase and it's usually only about $600. So okay. it might be worth your while to, to add that on, especially with some of the 
you know, prices as good as they are, would be worth it for peace of mind. And those finance companies are usually the ones that are around for the long haul as well. Uh, and then also your homeowner's insurance. You can add it just like you can any other home upgrade. You can add it to your insurance policy. Well, that's um, one thing to point out is that the, the policies that you sell, the the people are actually buying the, are buying it. So it actually is increasing the property value as well. That's another factor into the financial equation that many people might not think of. And I believe there's some equations to give people some sense of how much a particular solar install might increase property values. Yeah, that's definitely, um, it's one of those things where we obviously would, we would love to brag about it, but it's, there's nothing set in stone, right? Um, it's just the University of Berkeley surveyed over a thousand homes and each of them that had solar did see an increase in the value of the property. Um, but to that point, most states, it's solar is property tax exempt. So a lot of people are concerned that their property value is going to go up and all of a sudden they have to pay more in property taxes, but solar is exempt from. That's great. Property. In most states, not, not every state though. It's just the the big ones, okay. <laughs> put it that way, the solar friendly ones, um, and definitely most of them. So it's, it's definitely, it, it, with a quick Google search, you can see if solar is property tax exempt in your area or not. Um, but let me see, your, let me go back to the four ways, because the, the value of your property goes up does get affected by how you get solar, right? So the cash purchase is always going to be the most straightforward. It's just not the most feasible for, for most people. Um, so that kind of brings up the idea of zero down solar. That's the most common one. Um, and the zero down options, there's really three of them. You can purchase with zero down. So we basically finance hundred percent of it just cause solar, uh, there's so many finance options that are very solar friendly. So it's, there's no lien on the property. It's the only thing backing the loan would be the system itself, which is really kind of unique to solar. I think it's very cool. Um, and the, the interest rates are usually pretty low. It's usually 4.99 or below. You get all the way down to 2.99 with an unsecured loan. Well, it's secured by the system and the lien. So it's, makes it, it makes financing solar very interesting, I think. And that's, that's why I think that one's the most popular. Um, but back to the, my initial conversation, why I kind of stopped just working for Solar City is because they were fo- focused on lease and PPA. Those are the other two options. And a lot of people mix them up because they're so similar. Um, a lease is kind of like leasing a car, right? You just, instead of, paying for power to Southern California Edison or PG&E, you're saying uh, install the system, sort of like renting solar. We'll install it for free and you just pay that fixed amount for 20 years. Um, and a lot of people like that just because like they compare it to like a gas card analogy. If you could have gone to Chevron 10 years ago and say, look, I'll buy gas just from your stations if you give me a fixed price. I think Virgin Airlines did that. And that's one of the reasons why they, they did so well. I remember hearing that story. Um, they were able to log lock in their gas prices, right? So that's kind of what leasing solar is like. You're just locking in a rate for power. And so your savings come immediate from month one, just because it's so much cheaper than electricity in California, New York and other States like Colorado, uh, you won't see leasing nearly as much just because it's, it's going to be more expensive than the utility. So it just doesn't make sense. Um, now the last one is a PPA, which is a power purchase agreement. Uh, PPA for short, it's, almost the same thing as a lease. The only difference is you're paying for what the system produces instead of paying for the system. It's very subtle, but big difference. So with a lease, you'll have a fixed monthly payment, same payment every month. And a PPA, if the system produces $100 worth of power, you'll pay $100 worth. That'll be your bill. If it, if it produces $150, you'll pay $150. So where, where the 
confusion comes in because uh, Vivint Solar is they for the longest time that's all they did and that was their main focus um, and the yeah where some people might find the issue is just you're paying for what it produces not for what you use so if it produces more than you use you're paying that extra amount the utility will credit you for it so it doesn't go to waste and it just rolls over towards the next month uh, because maybe the next month you'll produce less than you're using you'll use that credit um, yeah when, so that's kind of the four options you either pay cash you finance it you lease it or you do a ppa um, yeah right but i would imagine most people who are listening or watching this would end up choosing the no money down financing at low interest. It's interesting. So what I've found is that most of the door-to-door -door companies, um, they do really well with the PPA uh, just because it's so easy to explain, right? You don't have to buy a system. You just pay less for something you have to pay for anyways. Personally, I'm, I'm not uh, as big of a fan of it. When I worked at SolarCity, they, they did start to branch off. And so about a third of my business was leases, a third was PPAs, and a third was zero down finance. Uh, because I've always had that mentality where I, I want to cater to the customer and what their goals are. Because uh, one of the, I guess, best examples would be, let's say they're retired or they're on a fixed income where they don't have a tax liability. They wouldn't benefit from getting a large tax credit. So it's like, that's that's the only time in my mind where a lease or a PPA would make more sense. Just pay less for something we have to pay for anyways, and not then you'll give the company the tax credit so that way they can keep that a lower and, amount. And you're in a position now to be able to offer all three of those. All four. <laughs> all, all four. Yeah, great, because, uh, great. I found a lot of people that want to just pay cash, or let's say you you know you're able to refinance your home and you got this amazing rate with your mortgage that would be cheaper than a solar option sometimes, and so and then you can write off the the interest on the loan, I guess. So I would imagine one thing to factor into as well when you're doing the math is not only comparing uh, the cost of solar to current utility rates, but also there's a, there's a historic trend over time of increasing annual utility rates, um, very often beyond the rate of inflation. And so in that sense, um, your savings if that trend continues, your savings will increase over time. Yeah. Then there'll be a time where the loan is completely paid off, and then there'll be a quantum leap in savings uh, as well. Yeah, because, I mean, solar, it's guaranteed for 25 years, right? But it doesn't just all of a sudden stop working at that 25-year mark. It'll just kind of slowly produce less and less, but you're still um, benefiting from that as that time. So most people that do the zero down finance, interestingly enough, they'll lean towards like a 20 year loan uh, just because it's, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous in California because let's say you're paying 300 a month, you'll finance solar for zero down and it'll be maybe a 130 for, for solar, for, for that size system that would produce that amount of power. And then you still have your 10 to $20 net metering fee where you stay connected. So you're basically going from paying 300 to this giant company to kind of almost like you're paying yourself when you own it, right? You're just paying off something you own and it's like pay half as much for something we have to pay for anyways. It's not. <laughs> so just to make sure we've covered uh, those, all those little gnarly elephants in the yeah. back of the car. So assuming someone has good or better credit um, and especially if they live in California or New York or whatever, um, 
there's, as far as I can tell, there's probably no logical reason if they had all the facts and they trusted you that they wouldn't do this. Is there any, is there anything that I'm missing? The, the most common thing I hear is usually why, why hasn't everyone done it? It's like, cause once you, it's to me, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I love to look at the numbers. And when you look at the numbers, especially in the States where power costs more, I mean, I also do a lot of business in Colorado and there the utilities are super cheap. Just like in Idaho, we do a lot of business there as well. And, and for them, their solar still comes out less if you're financing it over 20 years. Cause I mean, I mean, the way they see it is they've got to pay for power either way. You might as well pay a little bit less for something you have to pay for anyways. Right. So it's still going to come out less. It's still your system instead of a big utility and it still increases the value of the property. So the downside I think is going to be if you lease it, for example, um, I, I get calls uh, for those people that want the lease option when they try to sell their home, the lease might be a little bit more complicated to explain. As long as it's explained properly or your real estate agent knows how to explain it, especially in the States, again, like California and, and New York it, or Florida, even it's like, you know, do you want to take over the solar lease where you're, or do you want to go, you know, switch back to a utility where you're paying twice as much. And then if they explain that, it's like, well, yeah, we'll take over solar. But if they just say, do you want to pay for solar? You're still going to have your power bill, but you've got the solar bill on top. Then they're like, no, I don't want to do that. It doesn't sound good. But if they know that it's bringing their power bill all the way down to 10 or $20, or, you know, maybe it's $50, but it would have been 200, $300. And, as long as they understand it, that's the only hiccup I see is when you're selling your home and if they don't get it, then it can cause a delay in, in the in the sale of the home for a lease. For a purchase, uh, let's say you financed it. Um, usually people will roll that into the uh, sale of the home. So the new homeowner doesn't have the loan anymore. They just have a system that's guaranteed, but they're not having to pay monthly. Now, I would assume that the, uh, that the company that you have the financial arrangement with on the loan has some kind of legal protection when you sell the house that they get paid off from the proceeds? Do they have a lien or how does that work? So it's just on the system itself. Uh, you, so they no lien on the property, but just it's, it's a fixture filing, UCC fixture filing. It just says their interest is just in the system. So what people have the option is they can either uh, pay off the system or they can transfer that loan to the new homeowner. Now, does that new homeowner have to, well, I'm assuming if the new homeowner had good enough credit to qualify for a loan for the house, yeah. that they would have good enough credit to take over the... Yeah, because the, usually the threshold is used at 650 yeah. uh, to qualify. So usually they would, it would have to be that or above to qualify for, okay. for a home, especially in like California where prices are <laughs> a bit higher. So, um, so assuming that... Uh, the consumer gets all their considerations handled and they're excited and they understand the benefits of doing it in 2020 or 2021 as opposed to afterwards. Because when we're talking about federal tax credits, we're not talking like a deduction. We're talking a dollar for dollar subtraction from your taxes. And so if someone does have some significant tax liability, uh, now, if someone doesn't have it, do they lose it or is it a carryover? It's a carryover. Here. Yeah, you get to roll it over until you've used up the whole thing. Okay, so if your income is, is you know, if you're an entertainer or an artist, 
or you're doing sales and maybe you're on commission sales and one year you're working really hard and another year you're chilling, you, you don't lose that. You can carry it over if, you, if you're not using that tax credit. And I even have like uh, one couple I, uh, I was working with last week. They're, they're retired on a fixed income, and, but they're living in Southern California where their bills are their, their most stressful payment right now because everything else is doing fine. Everything else is paid off. Their home is paid off. <laughs> and so they wanted to do something that would control that, right? And, and Southern California, I think you touched on that before, like the, the rates, we haven't really seen them go back down. If you look over the last 30 years, they've consistently gone up and up and up. I mean, inflation, yeah, but they're like double inflation. I mean, don't get me started on how California is managed. I call California the People's Republic of California. <laughs> But, but no, the, the main thing was for this family, they wanted to kind of take control, right? So, and they didn't necessarily see themselves benefiting from the tax credit immediately, but they still wanted to own it. So they did a cash purchase and they're just rolling over the tax credit until they recoup the whole thing. Because they'll still have some liability. And the way I, I like to explain the liability is talk to an accountant. <laughs> but like the, in, in my mind, it's just, uh, if you're employed, if you're a W-2 and they're deducting money every two weeks, and at the end of the year, you do your taxes and you get a certain refund back, right? Because it just means that you had more deducted than you actually owed. The credit would just give you a bigger refund. As long as you're actually having that withheld every two weeks like normal, you just get more of that back yeah. uh, since it's dollar for dollar tax credit, like you're saying. So most people, what they'll do uh, if they're financing it, for example, is they'll take that bigger refund and reduce the loan. So they'll send it into the finance company to pay down the loan to keep that payment as low as possible. Uh, so, right. yeah, most people, some people keep it and buy a car, but <laughs> I would right. recommend paying down the loan. Okay, so let's switch gears. Let's assume now that the person who's watching or listening, they're sold on the solar thing, they qualify, they trust you, they go, okay, let's go. I want you to give people a picture of exactly what the process looks like, the time frames the amount of energy involved for them. And then I really want them to get the feeling for how little they actually have to do and how much you or the people you work with, how much is handled and how almost ridiculously simple it is. And then I also want you to address a question that I asked earlier yeah. is what happens if uh, you're in these high rent areas and you don't have large, Roof, uh, roof areas, but your family's expanding or you're getting an electric car and you want more solar than current technology allows you to do on your roof, what options might be available so that there's not such a big remainder for the regular utility company? So where it's, that's, that's a great question too. And where I see the issue is more in places like Germany. Um, in California, I've never run into an issue where we didn't have enough space uh, just because there's, we have so much sun <laughs> in Southern California. We have so much space on the roofs. It would have to be a very small roof, uh, more like in Germany where you've got these stacks of houses, you know, where they're just very limited on space. So I honestly don't run into that in California. If we, if we want to avoid the roof, uh, there's ground mount options where we can actually go out and install it on the ground. Uh, but it's very rare. And there's also patio options where you can actually do a patio mm -hmm. with solar. It's kind of looks cool, uh, just not necessary. Um, and there, there are definitely higher wattage panels. I mean, 
Um, when I, even when I first started, the, the wattage panels was only about 230 watts per panel, and now it's already at 300. 305 is kind of the standard. It gets all the way up to 360. There's even higher than that. Um, but it's just, um, yeah, I just haven't found that space has been the issue in California or in Colorado or any in the U.S. actually, just because we have, we, we, we don't have as many of those stacks of houses like, and, and also we have so much sun. It's just, it's been really nice actually. So I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't actually see that as a, a common issue um, where they're as concerned. They're more just getting the efficiency because it sounds cool. I think <laughs> like it sounds cool to have a higher wattage, but it hasn't been necessary. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about in this interview, maybe we can do a second interview later, is we didn't talk about the massive benefits of scale to large buildings, yeah. uh, commercial buildings. Uh, I, I don't know if homeowners associations who have condo complexes could vote on putting solar in or something like that because there are tremendous economies to scale here, right? Yeah, for sure. And it, it it's almost like the residential, like the house, but on a large scale, right? It's when you look at it as paying less for something you have to pay for anyways, then just the numbers make it a no-brainer. But the the cleaner aspect obviously is is one of the major reasons people are doing it. But just when you look at the numbers, I, I highly recommend um, to kind of go back to your other question, how much are you actually involved in it? Um, on the homeowner side, the what their involvement is really just sending in a copy of their utility bill. Whether they get it by mail, they can just take a picture and text it. Or if they get it by email, they can forward their email. Because um, the main thing is, if, if someone like myself has a copy of the utility bill, I can look, they, most utility bills have a graph that show the usage over all 12 months. We get an exact idea of how much they need. So it's the same on the commercial side. They just need one copy of the bill. They'll see all the usage over the last 12 months. And they can design a system to produce um, basically the average over that 12 months instead of just from one month. That way they're much more accurate. That's really, and then from there, usually we'll design a proposal form, send it back to their email. And once they approve it electronically, really the company takes care of everything else. Um, they'll send somebody out in person to look at the roof. Uh, that way they can take exact measurements, confirm what we already have from our online analysis. And then the company will take care of the permit through the city and the company will take care of, um, uh, once they have that permit, uh, they schedule the install. So it's, and the homeowner doesn't actually even need to be there for the install. <laughs> it's like they could be at work, come home when they have solar on their roof, but it's fun to watch. What's usually the time frame involved? Um, I would say the whole project, and it definitely varies by state. And if you have a homeowner's association, because if you have a homeowner's association, well, that's kind of the, the only other part where the homeowner would need to be involved. Um, and we try to make it as simple as possible. We'll forward them. Uh, well, we email them the plan and they just have to forward that to the HOA. So just to email forward and you're done. Um, a lot of times HOAs will ask you to fill out an architect review form, which is really just for any other home improvement. They want you to kind of put in your name and address so they know who they're talking to, <laughs> um, but forward the designs as well. So that way they, they'll, they'll kind of approve it. In most states, it's illegal for them to kind of stop you from going solar. So it's nothing, it's more of a formality just to keep everyone happy. Uh, and to make sure we're not doing some crazy design in the front yard, <laughs> something like that. Um, but yeah, the timeline is usually, I would say, one to three months. Okay. Um, if your HOA is delaying it, uh, okay. and if you want to keep them happy, 
it might be a month waiting on the HOA. Sometimes it's just a week, but sometimes a month. And so I'll usually do things like try and get that plan sent to the HOA sooner just to get it all done faster. Yeah. But I three imagine that you find out about any thing in these people's lives that might indicate that the prior bills are not representative of future bills. Like if they're planning to have an electric car, if they're planning to increase the size of their family. So that's done with the online so consultation. That's why I like to ask a lot of questions when I'm doing the initial design, because a lot of times I'll find out they are adding an electric car or they do have, maybe they're, they're they plan on their parents moving in with them because uh, they're taking care of their parents or something like that. And so I, I always like to find all of the information out right away, or if they're planning on changing their AC, then it might get more efficient or they're planning on doing an add-on in the next couple of years. Uh, what's cool about solar is you can always add on to it. You just can't make it smaller. Um, so it's something to keep in mind when you're going solar. It's, we, um, let's say you just you you uh, set up a standard size system, like a six kilowatt system. You add an electric car two years later, it's really not a big deal. We'll just add on additional panels and, and an initial inverter, um, which we would have had to use two inverters anyway. So it's barely any difference to add it on two years later. Let's talk more about this online consultation because it sounds like that's a critical part of the process. So let's say I'll be the person. I, I, I'm John Smith and I watch this or listen to this and uh, I think I'm a good candidate. I, I, I pretty much am sold and I'm reaching out to you and uh, – I reach out to you either by phone or online or whatever, and we agree to have this online consultation. So take it from there. Give me, give me a, a bigger reality, a better reality on what is involved in that, how much time that takes. Okay. So I would say, um, yeah, usually I'll, I'll, there'll be an initial call or a text message to say I'm interested and I'll usually say, okay, if you can send me a copy of your utility bill, I can do a full analysis uh, before our consultation. And then we'll schedule a time to do the consultation, usually the next day or the day after, and they'll text me a picture of their bill. Um, I try and make it as simple as possible because yeah, a lot of times people don't have a scanner and it's just not necessary. Most people have the smartphone. So <laughs> just take a picture, text it to me. And I usually, so I use um, an online tool that'll analyze their roof using 3D Google Maps. Um, so I don't have to be out there in person. Uh, and it it uses machine learning to do a proposal for me automatically, which reduces a ton of the cost. Um, so normally we'd have to pay a designer to do the proposal and pay uh, someone else to do the engineering plan set, where the software does it all automatically for me. Is that uh, why you're able to usually come in at a better price than other uh, salespeople? Yeah, so there's... Uh, I'd say two main, well, three main reasons for that is number one, uh, most of it is online. So we don't have to pay like the manager, the senior manager, uh, the regional manager. You don't have all these heads to pay. It's all just direct. And then that's one of the reasons I found that was a huge difference in like for in Colorado, someone reached out to me. They said they just got a quote and ours came in way cheaper. <laughs> and, and that was just because it was a door-to-door company where they, they just have so many people in the chain to pay where they just have to mark it up to pay everybody, right? Where ours, I take more of the direct approach. I'll work directly with the installer. And that kind of brings me to the second point where I, I kind of get companies to compete for the homeowner. So once I get the homeowner's information, I'll find out exactly what their goals are. If they're more leaning towards buying a system or if they just want to 
lease and just pay less, then I'll approach my network of installers and kind of find out which one's able to do a good price and I'll have them kind of price match and bring it down to where it's, I'm getting the best equipment for the best price and the best warranty. And then I'll bring it back to the homeowner on that day where we do the consultation. Usually we'll do a screen share like this, but we don't have to do a video. It's usually just over the phone and then I'm sharing my screen with them so they can see what I'm talking about. And how, long do, how long does that consultation usually take? I'd say about 25 to 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, because what I'm really doing is uh, on that first call, I'm asking questions about their lifestyle and if they're going to change anything or if they're adding electric cars or changing the number of people in the home or changing the roof is a common one. Um, and so on that second call, it's really just to go over the numbers to see if it's even worth looking into um, further from there. Right. Um, so, cause I, yeah, it always. Could I interrupt you? That, that just rang a bell in my head mm -hmm. is the whole issue of how old is your roof? Yeah, and, very common and one. <laughs> you know that's something that I hadn't thought of until you mentioned it. But you probably is, put, you probably don't want to put these on a roof that's over what ten fifteen years. Yeah, because so the I'm glad you brought that up because the most common questions are usually what happens when I move, what happens if I need to change my roof. Um, yeah, those are two of the main ones. <laughs> and also, what you mentioned before is like if it's a lease, they usually have a percentage where it goes up every year. Yes. Which uh, is usually half as much as what the historic increase in utilities. So that's why most people are, are usually fine with that. But definitely read the contract because it's usually in very bold font on that first page. So it's hard to miss. I, but, but to answer your question about the roof, it's um, several very interesting factors about a roof. So if, if your roof is something you've been thinking about doing, anyways, um, you can actually add that cost into the tax credit if you're going solar at the same time. No kidding. The cost of the entire new roof? Just where you're, so the, the entire mounting plane where you're putting solar. Um, so like if I have 10 panels on the north facing part of the roof, um, you wouldn't do that. I just, <laughs> it would be on yeah. the south facing. But if I had 10 panels right there, I can figure out the cost from the roof of that entire mounting plane. Uh, and you get 30% of that back. 2019. So obviously next year it's going to be 26%. But that's one of the only ways I know of to get, you know, a tax credit on your roof. So if you're thinking if about someone has, what I'm saying is if someone has a roof that's already 20, 30 years old, probably you don't want to put a lot of solar panels on that roof. So that's probably an important question in the consultation yeah. that I hadn't even thought of. Yeah. So if, that's why I say if, if the roof's already that old, it's something they've been thinking about redoing anyways, is definitely, I would do them at the same time because you can get a huge benefit from that tax credit, right? Uh, and usually that, that site survey where they come out in person to inspect the roof, um, they're taking measurements to verify all of our online information, but they're also inspecting the roof. And so at that point, they'll say, sorry, we can't unless you fix your roof. Um, so they'll just disqualify the home. Okay. Um, if, if, if they see the roof and they know it's going to last at least another 10, 12, 15 years, then they'll say, okay, we can do it. Just keep in mind, you know, when you do change out your roof, we'll have to remove the solar and reinstall it uh, once you do it. But uh, yeah, in certain states, they'd be saving way more uh, just in year one <laughs> uh, to, okay. the cost to remove the system and reinstall it. So, so it's usually not a deal breaker. Correct. Okay. Um, I just, I usually like to mention the roof, even though it would prolong the project for us, for them to go ahead and do the roof. It's just such a nice little cherry on top that it's, it's hard to pass up if it's something they're thinking about doing anyways. Right. Yeah. It would be I interrupted you, I just, but uh, it was just, it was right there for me. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> okay. 
what was the i can't remember the next thing though it was oh yeah the three things we were talking about giving people more of a reality on the process and the online consultation the details and then what happens after that and the time frame and i want to make sure also that there are no hidden costs other yeah. than what they are agreeing to up front that 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 cost includes the cost of the permits the cost of the inspections as yeah i have I, i've never seen a company that will try and charge extra for permits or inspections or any of that um the only additional cost that would ever come up is let's say we do the on-site evaluate or the online consultation and they go out to inspect the home and they find out that the main electrical panel is too small uh, let's say it's a 100 amp where it needs to be a 200 amp okay then they would say hey we need to upgrade that or we just can't do it and so that would be an additional cost if we didn't factor that in to begin with. Okay. Um, that's usually why another one of the questions I'll ask in the beginning though is what size is that? So that way I can kind of set that expectation right from the beginning and I can even actually factor that into the solar loan if I know it's going to be required. Another question. Uh, what are the pros and cons of adding a battery to ah. the system? In California, that's becoming a very important question because <laughs> of all the blackouts, right? Yeah. It's, so for the longest time, it wasn't really even a, a question just because batteries were so expensive. And I mean, we didn't have rolling blackouts like they did, you know, in the, in the 80s and 90s. We just haven't had those as much. So it's like, um, yeah, the batteries just weren't really a topic. But now it's getting to be more and more important because another very common misunderstanding is if you have solar and the power goes out, your power is still going to go out just because we don't want to backfeed, send that electricity out to the grid when they're working on it and it would electrocute them. Right. So the, the inverter has this safety shut off or shut off. And a lot of people don't realize that they think they'll have power just because they have solar, but because they're directly connected, you'd have to have battery backup or battery backup in order for that to continue to work. Um, in, yeah, in the States like California, New York, where power is really expensive, you can get battery with solar with zero down and still be much less than the utility company. So I, I think it's worth it. I like the idea of it. Um, the battery, if you're doing, most of it is just one battery, right? And that's not gonna power the entire home. It'll usually power maybe two or three rooms. Uh, so unless you have a stack of batteries, um, which would kind of be overkill. I would, usually you're just doing the battery for those certain rooms like the kitchen where you don't want your fridge to spoil. You know what I mean? And that would add about so $5,000 to the cost of the install? After incentives, yeah. It's about 9800 actually. And then there's incentives that'll bring it down. And so if, if you're looking at a standard zero down, it's about $40 a month. Okay, so, so it's, if, a, it's a major decision. Yeah, I would say for sure. So I, I usually like to ask if there's a, a pressing reason for it. So like if, if they just think it's cool, then like for, yeah, I, that's great. <laughs> but if there's like someone at home where they have a medical reason right. where they need power, then I would say definitely do it. Uh, because it's not that expensive in in comparison to the utility. So those questions would be part of the online interview as well. Yeah, I I usually do that first call, just, just kind of get a few ideas for what their goals are, get an idea for their house, if anything's going to change. And that way I can design the system accordingly. And then um, to kind of go back to your question of the process, um, I usually try to avoid them having to deal with all you know, a bunch of companies. So I usually take care of everything. And then I work directly with the installer just so the company doesn't have to deal with it. Uh, and I'll take care of everything, the entire project management. Uh, and then after it's installed, I like to follow up uh, at month one, month three, month six, one year and two years. And we do the bill review where you look at 
their current utility bill after solar and make sure it's producing what they were expecting or they're getting the credit they're expecting. There's also about 20 different rate plans in most utilities that you can be on. So I try and match them to the best rate plan. That's great. You know, as I listen to you talk, it reminds me, you know, earlier this year, I went through the process of, uh, I needed to get a new, my, my term life insurance policy that I'd had for 20 years was expiring. And for various reasons, I chose to get another 10 year policy. And the gentleman that I work with is a gentleman who's on in another part of the country, but I've come to trust him over the years. And he, he knows me and he, like you, he's independent. Yeah. And because he knew me and he knew my unique situation uh, and his ability to uh, have multiple companies compete for my business mm-hmm. uh, ended up much better, I think, than if I had had to go with a salesperson who was wedded to one company. And so as I'm listening to you talk, I'm realizing a lot of the principles are the same and I felt really safe and um, secure with working with this person. And uh, I have a sense that people will have that same feeling of working with you. Um, Before uh, we give out the information about how people can contact you if they heard about you through only great stuff. And uh, just for full financial disclosure, um, here at only great stuff, we do have an affiliate relationship with Ben. So you're doing business with Ben and letting them him know that you came from only great stuff will help us to monetize our site and keep providing all the great educational and connection materials that we do um, on only great stuff, as you know, not everything on only great stuff uh, monetizes our site. Only a small percentage does. So uh, we really appreciate it. But at any rate, is there anything that you would like to say in closing before we give out that contact information? Anything we didn't cover? Anything I, I didn't know enough to ask that if I was in your position would have been good? for me to ask so that the viewers and listeners are best served as possible in this conversation? The, the main thing is it's to definitely get a second quote. Um, a lot of times, what, yeah, because they're, um, I forget the site, it's off the top of my head, but it's, you're able to see what people are paying for solar um, and they break it down a dollar per watt to make it more transparent. So you can really compare apples to apples because um, a lot of times you might have a larger system and somebody's comparing it with a smaller system with a higher price. Uh, so if you basically divide the system size by the system cost, then you have the, the most transparent metric, which is dollar per watt. Um, so it's cost divided by size. Um, and then you can kind of compare two different proposals. Um, but yeah, to get a second quote, that's why I like to get kind of what you mentioned, let companies compete because you can, it's, uh, yeah, I, I try not to, because companies really, I feel like some of them are overcharging um, just because there's so many different people in their chain of people to pay that it's just not as fair, I don't think, for the customer at the end of the day to pay twice as much for something you can get just as good of equipment with just as good as coverage. So definitely get a second quote uh, to compare it. Is one of the things that you provide for people, will you help people to compare solar quotes? Because I would imagine it could be a little daunting. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, a hundred percent. I always have, even at Solar City, I love to do that just to really compare. And we can even compare the warranties. Uh, they just email me a copy of the other one, and we'll compare it side by side. Uh, even personally, I'll, I like to send them two or three different options okay. uh, after we've talked. Or I'll try and get a feel for if they like the big box company or if they if they like the local mom and pop company where they might be able to get a better price for the same equipment. I'll try and fill fill people out for what what they're comfortable with. Uh, but definitely, if they send me a copy of the proposal, that's one of my favorite things to do is just break it down so that way because it's it does, uh, yeah, it tends to get lost in the weeds because there's so many different numbers <laughs> with with solar. But yeah, that's the main thing. Okay, so let's. Uh, we've been going for a while. Let's wrap it up. So let people know if they are uh, watching this or listening to this through only great stuff, and they want to contact you. What's the best way for them to do that? I think you'll have a link, uh, right, for them to click on just to make it easy. Uh, otherwise, uh, they can go to cleanenergymovement.org um, forward slash David. We'll do that. That way it's... What was that clean energy movement? Say it again slower. Uh, cleanenergymovement.org. Forward slash? David. David. Does that work? Capital D, lowercase uh, A-V-I-D. A-V-I-D? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, say, I'll send you that link as well. So, so say that whole URL again. Uh, cleanenergymovement.org. Cleanenergymovement.org forward slash David. Yeah. Okay. And then what will happen after they, after they do that? Then will they, will they see the online form directly or what, what, what will they see? That'll be, I call it the solar quiz. And so they'll answer a few questions and it'll tell them right away if they qualify or not. Uh, so that way they don't waste any time if the home doesn't qualify. Um, they'll, Cause I, I, I'm able to do that and I'll let them know why it doesn't qualify. Uh, for example, if it's a, a condo where they don't own the roof, the, we, we just can't do that cause they don't own their roof. Uh, it's not the HOA that's the issue. It's just whoever owns the roof is the one that is able to make the decision with solar. Um, so who, who does own the roof of a condo? Usually the HOA. If it's a condo, yeah, they're owning and maintaining the roof. So that's why. So the HOA would have to agree at, as one HOA to yeah. do solar for the whole deal. The issue with that is everybody has their own meter. And so it would get very complicated. I see. Okay. Um, I have done HOAs where it was just the community house. That worked yeah. out nicely. But they're on, uh, I believe it was a commercial rate for the house. Um, for that one, at least it was. Because yeah. some are still on residential rates for their main clubhouse. Now that's different than a townhouse. Yeah. In townhouse, you do own your roof. Depending. Um, because sometimes, yeah, so that's the kind of deciding question is, do you own your roof or not? If you okay. own maintain your own roof, then it qualifies. So let's say, oh, um, oh, one thing maybe we should cover is, are you able to represent people uh, in all 50 states or are you certain states where you are not able to help them? Um, I would say go to the quiz to fill it out Okay, because it is always changing based on new partnerships. Okay. Um, and I, I think right now we are in all 50 states. Um, we've, we've just got a new partner that is able to do it for us, but I would say go to the quiz and that'll answer, and then it'll fill out a form after you go through the quiz uh, if it does qualify. And then that'll go directly to me or someone on my team where I can reach out directly and we'll do that first call and then the actual online consultation. Now, are you able to help people in other countries or now only the United States? We're 
almost expanding. Uh, that's actually going to come very soon. So by the time this goes live, we probably will. Um, okay, so this is really important because I know some of my viewing and listening audience is out of the United States. So don't let that stop you. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been really um, engaging and enjoyable for me. I've learned a lot. And uh, uh, me too. I want to make sure that our viewers and listeners know that we're not, you know, aside from the ethical issues of the environment, we're not, we're usually not talking about just saving a few hundred dollars here. We're, you're usually, especially in like California, we could be talking about saving tens of thousands of dollars over the, even just over the life of the loan, not to mention how it takes a quantum leap of savings after the loan is paid off. You know, we didn't, we didn't talk about, that's probably something, um, my mistake, probably, maybe we can do it now. Maybe we can just give people a ballpark sense of, uh, you know, three bedroom, two bath, 1800 to 2000 square foot house, um, typical American, uh, middle-class house mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in, in, a, in a high energy cost state. What, what are we looking at here? The hard thing about that is that if they're in PG&E, it'll be totally different than SCE. So their utility will make, just because PG&E rates are so much higher than Southern California Edison's. And then if they're in Anaheim, for example, it's about half of that. So each utility has their own rates. Anaheim's rates for electricity is similar to like Colorado. For whatever reason, Anaheim made the deal with Disney where people that live in Anaheim have these crazy low I rates. I was say, maybe it was due to Disney's political pull. I think so. Because like you cross the street yeah. <laughs> and your rates are double. It's like, but so the, the exact amount, but if you go, let's say you're in PG&E, for example, and your bill was $300 a month. Uh, you switch over to solar. Now it's 150 for the exact same electricity. Just it's your power, not their power, right? Uh, so you're saving about 150 a month. That times 12. And then as the utility continues to raise their rates, I mean we all know PG&E just filed for bankruptcy. So we, yeah, I, in the past PG&E's only increase, and it's been bad increases, like you were saying. So it's like th that adds up real quick okay. over time, right? So in that example, in that PG&E. PG&E example, we'd be talking about multiples of tens of thousands of dollars saving. Somewhere just, in a hundred thousand. <laughs> just over the just over the twenty year loan period, not to mention after. And okay. for someone on a fixed income, it's just so empowering to just know that your bill is one hundred and fifty every month. You're not getting up to four hundred in the summer and and two hundred fifty in the winter. It's, you're not having to worry about that as right. much. So yeah. So. Um, and also, we didn't mention the fact that in addition to the federal tax credits through uh, 2021, we didn't mention that some states and counties and cities have their own specials to try to motivate people to move in that direction as well. And they just have to check that out with their local areas. Yeah, and that's something we help them check as well. Um, oh, nice. I think the easiest thing is to just go to the quiz and fill it out and we'll just take care of it for you so you don't have to... Cause yeah, I, I find that's easy because we, we definitely, um, we don't bombard people. It's uh, usually it's just, I'll send them a text message. 
so so because we're just human here <laughs> um, it's not going to some big call center where they're getting all kinds of calls i just i'm not a fan of that so. okay and then i just wanted to mention for people who are listening or watching and they're really excited but they can't benefit from it right now because maybe they are renting or they own a condo or whatever but i'll bet you know people mm-hmm. who could benefit tremendously and i know they would really appreciate it if you would send them the link to this uh, particular audio or video. Yeah, definitely. Ben Claybrook, it's been an honor and a privilege. And uh, thank you for uh, opening up the solar world to all of us. And if you could just one more time give that URL, we'll close it out. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time as well. It is uh, cleanenergymovement.org slash David. Okay, cleanenergymovement.org, not .com, org forward slash David. And so with that, we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to CuttingEdgeDoc.com. That's CuttingEdgeDoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.